Drive into left center, and what a play made by the rookie Brian O'Grady. Pitch. Oh, into right field. Brian O'Grady, first big league home run. Fly ball, center field struck well. Marisnik going back at the wall. Gone! Welcome back, Brian O'Grady. And welcome inside episode 56 of Breaking Bats, presented by Not For Long Media. My name is Justin Ayers, and I am joined, as always, by the man himself. It is Ryan Ripken, back off a two-week hiatus off the pod here, but it's always great to have him back on uh, on Valentine's Day. So uh, neither of us are wearing red, but, you know, the, the spirit of the holiday lives on. Ryan, how are you? I'm good. Well, yeah, we didn't get the memo for the red. We could have coordinated better, but has it really been yeah. two weeks? It's been two weeks since I've been back on. I feel like, man, I'm leaving you hanging. I'm sorry, but it's always a pleasure. Glad we could. And and uh, even if we don't have the colors, you know, love's in the air. I got to say something corny at least, you know. Yeah. But I, I hope I, I do hope that people, you you give your appreciation to the ones around you. It, it It's a small gesture, but it really does mean a lot to them. Absolutely. Uh, so with this being episode 56, I had to make this the Darren O'Day episode recently retired Darren O'Day or 56, I think almost his entire career. There might've been a stretch where he didn't, but uh, what, what a relief pitcher. What, what a fine for the Orioles. I think he kind of bounced around a little bit in Texas for a little there uh, really solidified himself as a, as a dominant relief pitcher. Um, I mean, Darren O'Day is the man. So I had to make him the episode for today. Oh, I mean, it's a, it's the perfect fitting, right? And which is so it's so great and when we talk about it is you know every everyone's got a different story of how they get there and and traditionally when you look at a pitcher like Darren O'Day you think well can he be that effective because it's different and you don't see as much of the different type of style pitchers that are in major league baseball especially nowadays where you feel like it's a lot of high velocity and just great stuff high velocity so what Darren O'Day did and especially during the time of the Orioles were in, in that the meat of their of their run it was it was cool and, and hats off to him on a on a great career two things stand out to me uh when i think about darren o'day i think about that time he did the, the weird video where he talked about how he wrote, wrote a unicycle you ever see that where he has like the yep the, the solo powered unicycle um and also his feud with jose bautista so uh, <laughs> i don't the first two things other than like his like on the field stuff being awesome but like yeah him and joey bats it like each other so those those are my two uh recollections yeah, honestly, the I just I don't have an exact moment per se, but I was just looking up with his numbers and I was remembering I'm like there was he had some years where he was extremely dominant. I just found him in 14 and 15. He had sub two ERAs at a one seven and a one five two in back to back years in 14 and 15, and he was an All Star in 2015. I mean, guy was lights out, and that was at at age 32 years old. You know, making his first All Star, only All Star appearance. Just I, I love that. Like I just love that because of the grind that he went through, and and he was able to have a a very long and stable MLB career. So, hats off, hats off to O'Day on his next chapter in life. Our generation's Chad Bradford, uh, big. If you're a Moneyball yes, fan, Chad yes, Chad Bradford. You know also what? Also, also, you know, it was interesting. I. I I dusted off the webs of of MVP Baseball 2005. I saw it circling on on uh, Twitter, and it was talking about certain players. And I brought up that Melvin Mora is like a cheat code in that game. If you want to play with him, Melvin Mora, old third baseman for the for the Orioles, 
but I remember then I actually I dusted it off and played around because I or played a game because I'm like, yeah, I, I need to get back into it. Just I was feeling extremely nostalgic and I felt like I was missing out again. And sure enough, I'm playing the Oakland A's. I believe I believe Bradford's on the Oakland A's that that year. And there it is. There's the submarine, and I couldn't figure him out in the game. It was frustrating. <laughs> I, I I think I lost three to one, but. <laughs> So it's That's, bringing back it, it's it's bringing back uh, nightmares now, I guess. Or should I admit that that at this age, I'm going on and and losing in a video game to the computer? Yeah, no, okay. I mean that's that's one of the best baseball video, one of the best sports games of all time. MVP Baseball 2005. That I played the hell out of that. I had it on GameCube, so it was uh that was that was how long ago that was. That console was legit, but yeah, GameCube was, was legit. And the, yeah, yeah. I, I'm still to this day. I know people love MLB the show. MVP baseball for me just hits different. Maybe I'm I'm just a different, you know, different generation now. I like to I'll I'll piggyback into that generation because I feel like that was still like in my wheelhouse. Like it was that and it was a like 2K baseball with Gary Thorne. <laughs> oh yeah. And also Gary Thorne on the call, by the way, is just uh, no one better. No one better. I, he's great. I love Gary Thorne. I hope he's doing well. Uh he, I don't know if you saw it. We're just gonna, one last, last tangent, and then we'll get into what we have for today. Uh, Gary came back and did a couple Mets games in 2021. I don't know if you remember this. He like filled in for mm-hmm. like the regular play by play guy. It, they were in Pittsburgh, and it was like Gary, and I think it was like Keith Hernandez. And Gary kept accidentally saying the Orioles instead of the Mets. So he was like, and now batting for the Orioles, he's like, oh. <laughs> hey, he had a, so, he had a long he had a long run. I mean, it was. He was just, he's a staple, especially in that industry in baseball and, and for the Baltimore community. You turn on a game and Gary Thorne's on the call, exciting moment. You know, it just goes hand in hand. And, and I was sad to see him go. I, I think the, what who, uh, who they uh, they brought in, you know, McDonald and Brown have been great. It's no knock to it. It's more of, you just it's an appreciation for Gary Thorne. That's all it is, an appreciation for Gary Thorne. Absolutely. Big game boy. He's the best. Um, so like, like I said, we have a lot of stuff to talk about today, but uh, before we get to all of that, this episode is brought to you by Psalm Sleep. Psalm Sleep is uh, the, the scientifically advanced Psalm snack, includes ingredients that are naturally found in your body to help you sleep better at night. All you have to do is drink it 30 minutes before you go to bed and your body will naturally calm itself down. Uh, other sleep supplements leave you feeling groggy in the morning, but not Psalm Sleep. Go to getsom.com, click uh, shop, and enter the code BATS at checkout for 10% off of your entire order. All right, on the news category this week, we have a little, a couple things. The San Diego Padres are back in the news. Uh, they signed somebody else off of free agency. They're addicted to signing guys off of free agency. This time it's Michael Waka, kind of the last big-ish domino, I guess last big pitcher because Profar is still out there. But uh, it's been an interesting career for Waka, former first-round pick, excellent in St. Louis, was an all-star at one point, bounced around a little bit, but really uh, reestablished himself last season in Boston, pitching to 11 wins and a 3-3-2 ERA. Um, he figures to be the number four man in San Diego behind, of course, Darvish and Musgrove and Snell. Um, this is a pretty good rotation for the Padres now. I like the way that stacks up. How do you kind of view San Diego's rotation now with the addition of Michael Walker? Well, first off, it's 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 just a straight disease the Padres have for spending. It's it's love it. You know, is it <laughs> can it be stopped? But it's exciting, right? Like the Padres, they're if if they if people haven't gotten the memo, they are they are all in. You know, look, Waka, he did. He established himself, like you said, last year, and he and he fits right in. He's not going to be asked to be one of their top guys, but he's going to be asked to fill a role and to be able to provide some stability on the back end of the rotation. And also, too, he's got the upside to he could 
outplay then what what people are are kind of predicting. So uh, he's he clearly has the ability to be successful. He's shown that. He's proven that. Or the Padres team, you know, this has been. I know we're going to talk about it more, but this has been a great off season for the Padres. We talk about all the spending that they've done in San Diego. I mean, obviously Xander Bogarts coming in is the big one, but also like there's a lot of like role player kind of like one year deal. Like Matt Carpenter, we talked a lot about him on this podcast. Nelson Cruz, Seth Lugo, Adam Engel, um, not a free agent contract, but they they you know extended you Darvish for six more seasons there in San Diego. So, um, like you said, very active this winter. But I like it. I like the Padres a lot. But obviously, when you talk about them in the West, it's everything's kind of like measured against the Dodgers and what they're doing. If you roll out the Dodgers rotation of Kershaw, Urias, Gonsolin, Syndergaard, and Dustin May, is there a clear advantage, or are they kind of evenly matched there? I think I think I always think it's going to be more evenly matched, and also just looking at the Dodgers' track record. If you look at what they've done and what they've accomplished, their pitching staff, their coaching has been spectacular for for being out there, and and as exciting as the Padres have proven to be in the last year with the spending and they, and obviously going to the, um, the uh, NLCS last year, there are expectations and their pitching staff looks like they can, but you, like to your point, you can't count out the Dodgers can't count out their pitching staff because experience matters. Being in moments has mattered. And, and the Dodgers have been the most consistent team, you know, in the NL West for the last decade. It's I, I'm just so fascinated to see how this is going to play out this season. I'm trying to watch so many of their games, but one through three, I think the two teams are pretty even. But then yep. the four and five of Syndergaard, Dustin May. I like Dustin May's like like pure stuff a lot. Um, but you know, I think he's coming off that injury. You don't really know what you have in him. And then Syndergaard is just kind of like a very league average, good but not great pitcher. Um, so yeah, I I'm excited to see how these two teams kind of fare all the times they play each other this year because. Um, you know, there's nothing better that that might be my new favorite rivalry in baseball is Padres and Dodgers. Let's it, let's let's keep that going. You know, it's definitely spicing up, and for the while it felt like Dodgers Giants, which is still obviously a big rivalry out in the in the NL West, but it got chippy and it's gonna play into it this year with these moves, you know, and a lot of these moves for the Padres are motivated to overthrow the Dodgers and to no longer be the little brother of of in that relationship. So you know it's exciting to see, and but I but I will say this: the Dodgers do have a knack of bringing guys out there and and putting productive seasons. So I'm that's a storyline that we should definitely watch as the season goes on. Absolutely. Uh, so the next thing I want to talk about was uh, some rule changes coming to baseball. So uh, MLB announced a few kind of new notes on these things. In all regular season extra inning games, a runner will be placed on second to start the tenth, and every inning after that until a winner. Uh, you know, bring back the ghost rudder, quote unquote. And also, this is an interesting one, position players pitching. Uh, position players will only be allowed to pitch in extra innings or in the ninth inning for a leading team that is up by 10 or more runs or any time for a trailing team that is down by eight or more. So this is obviously, uh, you know, I, I saw there's 132 instances of position players pitching last year. That was up from 32 five years ago. Um that's I didn't realize that the upward trend we have been on. I felt like like you know I have seen a, a little bit more of like the backup outfielder coming in and pitching, but I didn't realize it was that much of like an epidemic. Um, like, how do you feel about these? Do you like the ghost runner, and then do you like the the position players kind of getting axed there from throwing a lot? You know, it, it's crazy to think with the, the I'll start with the the position player 
pitching like it's definitely happened way more and and initially it is exciting like i remember when when stevie wilkerson came in and and came in for the got a save in that situation you know like it's it's different circumstances but i think there is to a point that i think it was being used too much because teams were saying you know what we're not gonna we don't want to waste arms and i get that concept but you do have a ton of pitchers and you also have a ton of guys in the minor leagues. I just think from a competitive standpoint, let your pitchers pitch more. And if the game is out of hand, then by all means, let your position players come in. And I don't want to sound like the Grinch with that because I do think it's fun, but I do think that there is certain, there's a certain aspect to respect. And as far as the extra innings, you know, honestly, it, it makes it a lot easier for the players as far as the, the, the length of the games and, that was a big thing. I, I I was against it initially, but after experiencing it in the minor leagues, and especially, I, I tell you what, when you have an extra inning game and you got to get on the road and, and the game keeps going and going and going, it taxes everybody. And even for a fans, you know, fan, the, for the fans that stay, it's an awesome experience if the game goes 18 innings, if, if like you can be like, I was there. But not a lot of people are staying through that either. So I think overall it's good. And and correct me if I'm wrong, though, in the playoffs, it's all off, right? That's a great question. I'll have to go I, back and double I, check that. I think, it, I think it's off. I think it's only the regular season. So in that, it's like with the NFL in that case where they change their rules for the playoffs compared to the regular season. I think the same thing would apply once it's go time in the playoffs. You know, you can't have it be decided. Oh, yeah, well, because last year the Astros Mariners scoreless until the 17th or 18th inning, I believe. So look, it's, it's, it's going to help the game for the, for the, for the season. And it's going to keep extra inning games exciting. I went, it's funny you mentioned the Astros and Mariners extra inning game. Cause I literally was trying to find the box score from that. They had, they ended up having to use like Robbie Ray, like they starting pitchers came in at the end there. They obviously didn't have to resort to using position players. Thank God. Um, but in the position player pitching one, I'm a little upset that that's kind of like being rolled back. Now that I think about it. It's like, well, first of all, like, why Why is the way managers are being – like, how come MLB MLB is like, hey, managers, we're going to tell you how to manage. You can't do that anymore. Because I just think that guys like Stevie and Charlie Culberson, like, there's some legit position players that can throw 80s, 90s, like, and that they could have the opportunity to come in when it's not down by 8 or up by 10. I don't know. I, I just feel like that's – we may be putting too many restrictions on the way that, you know, guys can manage their ball clubs there. So I'm not a big fan of that. Um the runner on uh, second base to start extras, I, I kind of fall into line with that where I'm like, you know, if you can't win it in nine, let's just try to get this thing over as fast as possible. Like, you know, you, you can't be having games lack going 18 innings on the regs. So um, I'm, I'm more okay with that than I am with the position player one, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I get that. I will say this, though, for the extra inning part. I get it. If, if they had done, you know, the 10th inning, we're just going to let it play out. And then the 11th, we put a guy on. I think that would have been fine as well. But again, it's it's a long season. A lot goes into it. And, and a long extra inning game requires a ton of stress and strain on your team, which in some cases, as you're, if you're trying to keep your team healthier and everyone in, intact, it's great for guys if, if you're coming up in the minors, though, because then they, they'll probably need more arms if the games happen. So I always, uh, I always am happy for guys that get their opportunities. But as far as for the overall betterment of the, of the players and their safety. It, it's the best move for that. Yeah. Pitching, but, but you know, last thing I'll say with the uh, 
position player pitching, you know, it, it's it's interesting that managers were so into that nowadays because you're talking about an uptick of what it's been. You know, back then, 20 years ago, this really, you know, is I don't remember or recall seeing a ton of highlights on on those situations. And maybe that will be another history lesson to go back to. It's definitely a different uh, time. But I do think also if you have some pitchers, you know, let them pitch. But to your point, I mean, it is it is a fun time to see pitchers go out there or sorry, position players go out there and and, and mess around and and maybe even hurt the feelings of some hitters if they if they strike them out. I would maybe put a caveat on that to say, like, only good position player pitchers like Albert Pujols should not be pitching. But like Charlie Culberson, who throws 88 with a cutter. Yes. Yeah, that's fun. Like, go watch his highlights for those who are interested about about Culberson throwing. It's it is really fun to watch. Yeah, he he could be like he can have like a, a second career if he wanted to as a, as a pitcher full time. But uh, oh, I forgot about this. But uh, this came up today because the manager of the Red Sox was talking about this. Uh, the new MLB bases they went from being 15 inches square to 18 inches square. Uh, pizza boxes. Court, he said, "Wait till you see them. They look like they're a pizza box." To be honest with you. Um, I saw them online. They look gigantic. Uh, is that is that a good or a bad thing for for somebody who hasn't played the game at the level you have? So in twenty in twenty twenty one, they implemented that right after COVID, and it it was weird when you look at it and you're around the base. You know, this thing is absolutely massive, and you're like, it just this isn't going to work. It, it just looks goofier. That's what you think, but when you're playing the game. You really don't think about it. Actually, I have a really big foot, so it helps me a lot when I was trying to press off uh, and to be able to expand my range, which helped me as a first baseman. But as far as safety-wise, it does help a lot. It helps with guys diving back in for tags. There's more space even for for the runner and first baseman, and so it does look goofy. But after you know the first week, you look it, it's second nature. I'll tell you what though, what, what really threw us off is when they switched the bases back. And then everything looks so microscopic and I'm saying, well, how am I supposed to, to, to navigate around that? Like you have to, you have to retrain yourself. So I think it's a simple thing where it's going to look goofy initially for people, but it really is not going to be a factor as far as, and honestly, I think it will be, will be completely fine for the game. I mean, I've seen guys get like their ankles stepped on at first base if they're like running, especially like like pitchers coming over to cover first and they're, they're like running. They don't have enough time to get their feet exactly right. Like I've seen that that happens fairly ish often. So um, anything to, to cut down on that, I feel like would be would be a welcome addition. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is the game we talk about this, the game's better when you're when you have the better players playing on the field and. And there are some bang bang plays at first base or around any of the bases, and that that cause some serious injuries. And whether it's ankles, hands, or you name it, and I mean, I personally, you know, again, it doesn't help having a big foot, but you know, I, I can't tell you how many times I've been stepped on at first base. But on the and, and it and it does it feel good? Absolutely not. Um, I have a few other words that come out of my mouth during that process because you're angry, but I don't, sometimes, you know, it, the runners running down the line and, and it's, and it's a hard, hard thing to deal with. But the other case too, and, and the scary thing for, for the runner, if he's trying to get his foot out and he's trying to, you know, bust his butt down the line, 
you know, he lands on my foot. Yeah, it hurts me, but also it could do some serious damage to him. And then you have two players in, in trouble. So I, th- I think it's going to be fine, but I-, I can't wait to see more of the, the, the pizza memes, pizza box memes. I think I actually got set one just sent to me on Twitter, uh, which, which I think is great. Um, but don't, but, but rest assured for, for the baseball purist, it's really not going to make a big difference. It, it really isn't. Maybe a little more stolen bases. Oh, they, they cut down the paths between bases by like seven inches. Or, I don't know. They cut it down. It's like, like a little bit less than a foot, but they're like, oh, it's going to lead to a boom in stolen bases. I'm like, is it? We don't, I feel like as a game, we don't really steal. We don't have that many like Ricky Henderson's running around. Yeah. I think honestly for that, it's going to be, you just got to be, you got to be more technical on, on your tags at second base. You know, you can't, it's less wasted time, but it's, I don't think there's going to be a huge uptick. Just reminds yeah. you, if you think so, be, be on time, get in the second base. If you're laying down a tag or wherever it is, so don't let them steal it. And I, I think it, I don't think it'll be an uptick, but we'll have to, we'll, we'll uh, like they say the old, the old saying with drafts, like draft and follow was an old thing back in, back in the days. Uh, we just, we're just gonna have to uh, track this down and we'll follow, follow what the results happen. Yeah. <laughs> Updates to come. Yeah. Make, make it like a local news tease. Yes. Um, so another thing that happened, uh, I guess over the weekend, I think it was on the 12th, uh, was that Ted Lerner died and Ted Lerner mm-hmm. was, uh, the, the, you know, he obviously is known for buying the Washington nationals back in 2006. I think his title is like managing principal owner. Um, but it's, he is really, really responsible for a lot of the things around DC one, uh, where nationals park is for those guys who haven't been there. Um, it was put in the area called the Navy yard, but before the stadium was there, it was like warehouses and it was like really like run down and there wasn't a lot going on but you know when they built the stadium there it's like the coolest hippest like most awesome neighborhood in in the city now so um there's a lot of great things that obviously happened with that and also the nationals under him they had this great run of success from 12 to 19 like four division titles a world series in 19 but i think the one thing that i'll always appreciate ted lerner for was just like his willingness to invest his willingness to invest in the ball club his like willingness to like get, you know build a relationship with Scott Boris and sign free agents like Jason Worth and Max Scherzer, um, and even like breaking out the checkbook to sign his own guys like Zimmerman and Strasburg. So, um, you know, rest in peace to Ted Lerner. Uh, obviously, Ryan, as a former Nationals organization member yourself, um, you know how 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 do you want to remember Ted Lerner? Well, I, I think especially for Nationals fans and the community in the city, you know, you brought. You brought life and excitement to the area. You brought a lot of great memories to a place where they were, you know, people might not think, but but DC really does care about the Nationals. And at the time, it was rough in the beginning. You know, make no mistake, the the early years of the Nationals was rough and it was the the complete rebuild. And to see how it all was built up and to take that risk of moving the team out of Montreal and, and bringing it to the nation's capital I think did a lot of things for not only the game, even though I, I miss, I miss the old expos, you know, jerseys and whatnot, but the bigger thing was it brought baseball to a city that, that, lo- that loved it, was happy about it. And then to your point, he invested in the team and to see the evolution of it and to finally see it pay off with a championship, you know, a few years back was, was really special. So um, very sad. He, he lived a long life and, and, and accomplished and and made a huge impact uh you know in in many ways 
But for Nationals fans in the D.C. area, very grateful that he was willing to to bring the team, bring the team to them and 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 provide so many you know, great memories for for so many people. Absolutely. Yeah. 97 years old, Ted Lerner. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, lived a full life. I was reading this whole like Washington Post article about him today where it was like when, so baseball originally, like the Expos didn't have any money. So they moved them to DC, but they didn't have a new owner. So it was like, oh, five, the team just operated without an owner. So in 06, yeah, that's when they right. Both, that's right. Yeah. When, when the process was going on of like picking a new one, they wanted somebody that was local to the area and that kind of had like a low profile, which is one of their like qualifications. Uh, and that was Ted Lerner, you know, DC, DC native there. Also George Washington university alumni. So, um, it, yeah, Shout it's, it very, yes, exactly. Uh, so yeah, very, very sad. And also the team's just kind of in this weird state of like, they're exploring selling, but I don't think anything's come of that. Or maybe they're going to do like a minority sale. I don't know. There's a lot up in the air with the nationals and they're in, in a deep rebuild. So, um, not sure what's going to happen with that, but yeah, there's a lot of uncertainty to come. I feel like yeah, a lot of uncertainty. But you know, I think uh, yeah, I, f- I forgot about the 05 vacant year, so I was a little bit off with the the, the whole timeline there. So my apologies. But what, what I think what struck me out or what struck me the most then, because now it's all coming back, the expectations. Think about that though. With the vacant year, you want to bring someone else in, and that that much uncertainty to a ball. Pl- ball club to a major league team when you are when it's a relocated ball club and you're trying to find stability and he provided that he provided that for that team which then you saw what they were built up to and and we talk about all the time you can look at team success by the way that the ownership helps to handle the situations and scenarios and under uh, under the learner family and under ted they were able to create not just a solid baseball team but transform from the top down into a championship level uh you know world series team very well said um so the last thing we have uh or actually the next to the last thing we have one more quick thing after this uh off-season review so i figured this be a fun way to kind of wrap up the off-season like i said they're not that many big free agents left on the market anymore everybody's kind of got their place you're seeing photos of guys down in florida and arizona you know, unpacking the trucks and and getting out there and guys are arriving today. So um, as all that's going on, we wanted to do like an off season review. So uh, we're going to kind of put these into two categories. I was thinking about maybe putting a third in there, but I wanted to do winners, obviously, but instead of losers, because I feel like that's, that's a harsh term, maybe just like needed to do more would be a softer way of, of approaching that subject. Right. Uh, I think that's fair. Right. Cause you're like, Oh, it's like, we're going to look back at this at six months and we're going to call like, if we called somebody a loser, they would be winning. So that's just how our, that's how my, Oh yeah. Well, and and this is, it's the, it's it's exciting to say who the winners and losers are, but to your point, you got to go out and play the season. It can look, it can look great. You can feel awesome about it. Injuries can happen and then you can just underperform. So who knows, but we'll talk about what, what we thought, what we thought at the moment, how it looks. We'll, We'll go with that. Who looks good right now and who needs a little bit of help. I'll run through my list, uh, and then we can talk about the winners part of it. I have uh, five teams or winners, big winners. I have the Phillies, the Padres, the Rangers, the Yankees, and yes, the Pittsburgh Pirates. Those are my winners. Um, we could t- talk a little bit about you, each one of these. I mean, the Phillies is easy because you go out and you spend all this money on Turner. Um, you get, you know, they're added to their bullpen, which you know was kind of a concern there for a while, and Matt Strom and Kimbrel and Soto. Uh, I mean, Harper's out to the All Star break, but. I feel like this team did enough to qualify as 
I don't know if they're like the winner of the offseason, but they're one of them. I mean, look, right now, um, sorry, you went out for a second. What was the last part? Uh, Harper's out to the all-star break, but I feel like they did enough to like, you know, maintain that high like championship level of caliber. Yeah. Team I, I thought I wanted to make sure. And yes, I, I I'm getting a little bit older. So the hearing and with the Wi-Fi. but anyway, right now what, what the Phillies did and then the Padres, the two teams that were in the NLCS, there's no reason to believe or to fade them going into this year. I mean, right now you got to think that they're in position to be right there and in some cases better, you know, and, and as we learned, you know, just with the expanded uh, format with the playoffs, it's making sure that you're healthy and you get in and you see what happens. And right now those two teams on paper look poised to build off of their strong uh, 22, 22 campaign. So I think you're spot on with, 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 with those two teams. I like, I like that. Uh, I like the Rangers a lot. I did a whole video about why I think that, you know, I'm drinking the blue Kool-Aid this year in Arlington. Yeah, you are. I mean, add, add in Jacob DeGrom. I mean, that's, I don't care what the health is. I like, you can like, you can Nick Pickett. So, oh, he's no, he could, he could not be healthy. It's Jacob DeGrom. He's one of the best right-handed pitchers of our generation. Um, and then they added like Eovaldi and, and Andrew Heaney, um, you know, plus, you know, they're already adding a bunch of guys in the off season before this. So uh, I love the Texas Rangers. They're a big winner. Uh, the Yankees, obviously, because they had to go out and re-sign Aaron Judge, which they did, and they also got a top-tier pitcher in Carlos Rodon. The Pirates one's interesting, and I don't know if people are agree with me on this one, but this team had no expectations, but the GM, Ben Charrington, went out and he spent a little bit of money this offseason, surprisingly, on guys like McCutcheon, Carlos Santana, Rich Hill, G-Man Choi. Like, I think they traded for him, but still. Um, the, the team wasn't expected to do anything, and they did something, so I call that a win. You know, it... To me, I'll start with the Pirates. I do. I think it does a ton for the organization. I, I don't know if it's going to make them the, the you know more competitive, but I will say they're bringing veteran presence and leadership to a young team, and for that reason alone, it's valuable because the Pirates are still trying to figure it out. They're still on the cusp, and but make no mistake, they have some really appealing pieces, and I think that's where when you're seeing these. The, these uh, free agents or you know, new acquisitions that makes it exciting. So I'm with you on that for the Rangers. Yeah. You, yeah. To Grom, his biggest question, obviously staying healthy because we know when he's on the mound, I don't think you're, there's, if, if you're, you can maybe make a case if you want to say, you know, you like Verlander, you like Scherzer, you like, you know, you can pick out your favorite pitcher, but for me DeGrom to me, can't fall behind very far and honestly healthy to me i'm taking him over anyone right now the yes. only issue only and 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 they've added the other pieces right the rangers like here's the thing now it's they added the manager they added bochi you have this roster that's ready to go they are now going to have to show up and and it helps that the mariners are getting more attention it helps that the astros are still there but this is not going to be an easy road they have every piece now to do it now can you do all the pieces fit? And if all the pieces fit, your your blue Kool-Aid theory is gonna is gonna work out very well this year. Very well said. Yeah, and that you're exactly right. Yeah, it's I didn't have the Mets on here because I, I like, I mean, don't get me wrong, Justin Verlander, he's gonna be good, but he's also like 40 years old. And like the they brought back Brandon Nimmo because they had to. Mm-hmm. Like they Kodak Kodai Senga, like what are you going to get in him? I don't know. There's a lot of unknowns and a lot of like question marks with them. 
And I don't know. That's people are going to say, well, like, where's the, where the, where the Mets? It would have been different if they actually would have followed through on Carlos Correa. I would have put them as like the big winner of the offseason, only because sure. they spent a trillion dollars. But uh, <laughs> that's why I didn't, I didn't have them on there. Uh, I can run through the teams that needed to do a little bit more, though, because there's some interesting ones. I have the Dodgers, the Giants, the Rays, and the Red Sox. So uh, two teams from you know both divisions there. Uh, the Dodgers, they bo- they lost both Turners. They lost Tyler Anderson, Craig Kimbrell, Gallo, Bellinger. And then they only really added was Syndergaard and J.D. Martinez. So not 100% sure what they're doing there. The Giants, like, again, there's a common theme with all these. The Giants lost a lot. Rodon, you know, Longo, Brandon Belt. Like, and then they, all they really added was like, you know, a couple good pieces here and there. Mitch Haniger, Sean Manaya, Jock Peterson. I think they brought him back. But, you know, you get what I'm saying. The Rays, yep. for a team that was so offensively challenged this past year and in the playoffs, they would have give, given a left arm. To, to score some runs. I don't know if they can just rely on bringing Brandon Lau and uh, having him and Wander Franco come back healthy. I don't know if you can rely on that to fix everything. And that's kind of felt like what they did. And also they gave Zach Eflin $40 million. So um, I say that, but at the end of the, at the end of this year, probably going to be a Cy Young candidate because it's Tampa. Uh, and then the Red Sox, they booed their own ownership and GM because they didn't resign Bogarts. And they just kind of signed like role player ish guys to fill the void. So, uh, those are my four. What do you think? Yeah, you know, when you look on paper, obviously, you know, it looks like some of those teams, I, I agree, some of those teams could have done more. I'll start with the Dodgers, though. The Dodgers, to me, and the Rays, I'm not worried about with them. And it's mainly because we're talking about ownership and organizational structure. Both those teams uh, have done a tremendous job. The Dodgers still have a lot of great players. And talking about, you know, finding yourself again, you know, Cindergard going out there, He's a guy that it's it's not like this lack of talent. It things have kind of fallen off, injuries here and there, but now you're landing in a spot where pitchers that have gone out there have had some success. The Rays, which still gets me, the Rays last year with all the injuries with with and and you know Wander Franco was out for some time and and you're right, their offense was not at times the most productive. But there the Rays were again, just right in the thick of it because they're so well-prepared. So those teams I'm not as worried about. The Giants do a good job, but the NL West is tougher, and the same point goes to the Boston Red Sox in the AL East. So for those two teams, I feel a little bit more. And again, they their organizations are strong, but to, you got to look around to your competition. And recently, have you done enough to put that back? The Giants, obviously, you know, two years ago had a great year. But it was a down year. Can you bounce back with what's happened? To be determined. And, and the Red Sox, pitching's going to keep you in games, but your pitching has to be healthy because there's going to be questions with that lineup and the AL East is no joke. So I, I, I'm with you. But of those, like I understand your point for all of them, but I'd say of those two, I'd have the most worries about the Red Sox and the Giants. Sometimes it's not the moves that you make. It's the ones that you didn't make. Mm-hmm. That's how it goes. Uh, the Giants missed out on obviously Carlos Correa. He was the initial team that the, he they signed with, and then didn't follow through. And then the Red Sox. Uh, I heard that they lowballed Bogarts by 120 million dollars compared to what the Padres gave him. And when you're it's the Boston very, Red Sox, it's a sensitive it's, subject in Boston. Yes, <laughs> it's sensitive. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, and I guess to make it an even five on each side, I'll put the Orioles in there. Just be, I mean, I liked I like Frazier. I like the trade for Cole Irvin. G- give me a, give me a star. Give me spend a little money. I think they spent, I think their payroll is, I think it still might be behind Tampa 
And I think it's almost exactly what they were at last year. So Michael Elias's comments last summer about opening the checkbook uh, were for naught. So uh, to make it an even five, I'll throw Baltimore in there. Well, there you go. I mean, I'm still with the point of I never was expecting this this giant spending spree in Baltimore. I think it was always a value if the value was right. But the team did get better still. And and the success of the Orioles is going to hinge on the young players developing. And this to me, this year initially it was supposed to be the we're making we're going to make the, the jump. But last year was it. So now there's high, high expectations for the Orioles where they're exciting, but are they fully going to be ready? And to your point, are they going to have all the pieces ready to do that? You know, time's going to tell. Last, last thing before we let Ryan get out of here for this week. We had a feel-good moment. It's, of course, brought to you by the, the sponsor of the Not For Long Media and Breaking Bats podcast, Original Fudge Kitchen. Six locations in Cape May, Wildwood, North Wildwood, Stone Harbor, and Ocean City to visit in person. Or if you want to visit them online, it's fudgekitchens with an S.com. Uh, I saw this on MLB.com this morning. So Bryce Harper was hanging out uh, in the Super Bowl in Phoenix. He was in the Phoenix airport, and a fan asked him to sign his hat. But whatever marker they had just didn't show up or work or whatever. And then the only thing it would show up on apparently was, so Bryce Harper took one of his shoes off and signed it and gave it to the fan. And so Bryce Harper's wife posted a video of him on Instagram walking through the airport with no shoe on one foot, just sock. Uh, probably the most disgusting thing you could do in an airport, but uh, a feel good moment. Nonetheless, would you, would you take your shoe off and give it to a fan? If they're really like, Brian, this would make my day. Uh, can you sign something? I, you know, I definitely, definitely, definitely consider it, you know, cause you never know. And, and it's a great story. And, and to your point, he definitely made, definitely made that fans day. Is it the most conventional thing? No, I hope Bryce had another pair of shoes down the road because traveling from an airport to another airport, another destination, that's that's a lot of travel, you know, one Your shoeless. Thoughts. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, but those are the fun stories, right? Like, it it makes you laugh. It makes you smile. And, uh, you know, that's what it's all about. So, for that that reason alone, absolutely, I would consider doing that. There were white socks, too, it looked like. So, those probably turned... Uh, a disgusting color of like black just, brown. Just throw you're gonna throw those socks out after after this trip, but <laughs> but definitely worth it. Ugh, yeah. Nasty. So hey, res- I respect it, Bryce. I respect the fan interaction part of it, but I'm not walking around a public transit like you know facility and, without a shoe on. So uh, I, I don't wonder how that turned out later. But uh, that's all I had for this week, Ryan. Thank you so much for hopping back on with us. We'll have to get you on again next week. Of course, o- always a pleasure, Justin, and, and happy Valentine's Day to you. Happy Valentine's Day to you too. And before we get out of here, a special thank you to the band Stick Figure for allowing us to use today's intro and outro music. So